Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Monday edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester. We all made it back in a unique way from Boston. Uh, Pete, a little bit later than everybody else, but we are here and back in snowy South Bend. It was beautiful in Boston. It's well, it's sunny here too, but it's snowy in South Bend and winter has hit. And we, uh, we move forward. Notre Dame with the 1916 victory over Boston College, obviously not... Very aesthetic, but it moves Notre Dame to the next level. It'll be interesting to see this week, Tuesday night, just where Notre Dame sits. And I think our opinions are kind of across the board on whether Notre Dame will retain its number four spot, maybe even move up to the number three spot, or as I have contended since a couple weeks ago, that Notre Dame would probably fall to number five after the, the Wake Forest BC games. Yeah, it's Notre Dame can't drop unless somebody's going to move over them. And Oklahoma beat TCU with a bat, both or two backup quarterbacks in that game by one point after TCU missed a two-point conversion at the end of the game. Uh, Oklahoma State lost. Baylor's on their third-string quarterback. Iowa beat Purdue, yay. Um, there's Michigan State. Michigan State, to me, that's the team that, in my mind, should jump Notre Dame because they have Ohio State on the road, Michigan on the road, like asterisk win. And then they beat the good Oregon. Like, they didn't beat the garbage Oregon that was losing to Washington State. They beat the Vernon Adams playing quarterback, Oregon. There's a which, good Oregon back right yeah, now. And yeah. that's that's the Oregon yeah. that we're seeing now. That's the Oregon that smoked uh, USC yeah. on Saturday. So, I think Michigan State has a great argument to move over Notre Dame. Um, to three? To, to yeah. three. If, you know, and then it's like Oklahoma, Iowa, Notre Dame, Baylor, I don't. I, I don't think there's a, a real compelling argument for any of the four, and I think that's the real angst about Saturday night was that Notre Dame had a chance to make a, a somewhat compelling argument. BC, you, beating a three-win team is never going to be all that impressive, but beating a three-win team by three points is definitely not. And I think that that was the real issue with the Shamrock series this year is like Notre Dame had a chance to say yes, we are the number four team, if not the number three team, and they didn't. They they really opened the door. Look, it was nineteen to three. And 19-3 to would have kept them at number four if not moved them to number three. I would agree. When Jeff Smith scored a touchdown, made it 19-10, to all Notre Dame had to do was be able to muster a touchdown drive and make it 26-10, and they would again at least stay number four. So if they fall to number five, now they get what they get because they played awful. They played a terrible football game against Boston College. And Boston College, and you know what? People can say, well, they weren't as fired up. That's their fault. They're playing for a national title. Boston College is playing for respect, and they are a thousand times more into that game than Notre Dame. I agree with Pete. I think that if Michigan State jumps them, they certainly have the better resume. Um, but I don't know what argument I make that Oklahoma or Iowa did anything to jump Notre Dame either. Obviously, TC is a much better team than, than uh, Oklahoma had a much tougher game than Notre Dame yeah. did. But uh, Iowa, if, if the committee didn't think Iowa deserved to be there before, beating Purdue at home on senior day doesn't put you up there either. And Baylor's getting a little sneaky in this situation, you know, with their, uh, they can get another win out of TCU. 
I just don't. Yeah. I don't think they've played enough people. No, they can't. They won't jump Notre Dame, but if this was an eighteen playoff, that'd be a little dangerous yeah, right now. Notre Dame played quality defense for three quarters. I mean, I would hesitate to say they played awful because they played quality defense for three quarters. But could now, you not play quality defense against them? Well, I mean, that's you know? true, and you know how I feel about the fourth yeah. quarter. That was the point after the game. That how in God's name. <laughs> Can you give up an 80-yard run to the quarterback and an 86-yard drive in the fourth quarter against Boston College? I think the 86-yard drive is worse than the 80-yard run. The 80-yard run is just like one. It was either Max Redfield, James Smith, one of one or both made a mistake. Or Russell, you said. No, it's just. But that's a common theme, Pete. I mean, the the big run, the big play has hurt them all year. But my point is like. For Boston College to have nine semi-successful plays in a row is like that. That shouldn't happen. Like, totally agree. If you give up one big play, like okay, one guy made a mistake, figure it out, move on. Nine plays, like that. That that had a lot that's more a to march. do. With, like, how is this happening? Um, you know, and at that point, that's that's sort of late in the game when you pick up a really, really significant injury to your defense that is going to potentially cost you big time. Yeah, Kavar, we were talking about that before we started recording that, you know, all the injuries that have, you said 12 is out, that was SP. By the end of the game, 12 frontline players were out and that, and then you got St. Brown on top of that, he would be number 13. And we, and we know, you know, we know the depth that we knew the depth of this team coming in, but at, at some point there is a tipping point with your injuries and it just may very well be Kavari Russell. And it's the drop-off from Kavari to the next is why, right. why we're saying that. It's And this would be his type of game. As much as people get on Kavari for getting beat, you know, it, basically once or twice a game in, in, in most and not in most games, in many games this year, he's tackled well. Pete has pointed out multiple times he played great against Navy. He played very well tackling against USC. I mean, Juju, we said Juju Smith beat him. Pro, play, pro player beat him, whatever. Yeah, They're going to miss Kavari Russell because they are bringing in Either Devin Butler, who struggled in this role last year against quality teams in November, or a freshman, Nick Coleman, who's just too undersized to take on. Stanford has men at wide receiver, too. Yeah. It's not like they have little guys running around out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, the Devin Butler situation, I mean, that was a, an August name that Brian Kelly threw out. It's like, this is the new nickel formation that lasted about a game and a half, and they scrapped it. Um, you, know, you end up with Torrey Hunter uh, playing the position. Now it's back to Matthias Farley, which makes sense. Uh, Nick Coleman, I feel like, has the most potential of those three right now. I like Nick Watkins a lot coming out of high school, but he just has been buried. And Brian Kelly said on Sunday, like, we need him to increase his compete level, which is basically code for, like, you need to practice right. a lot better. Well, I think when you're, you're in game 12, you've got a playoff spot on the line. You are on the side of a veteran player, do you not? I mean, is it Devin Buck? I I would be surprised if Nick Coleman made his first start in game 12 with a you know, an 11, uh, 10 and one Notre Dame team. I mean, I don't know what your perspective on that Pete know. is. I mean, I mean just, I just, Butler's not a great option, but at least he's an experienced player going into Stanford stadium where you probably have a little bit more trust just under the circumstances. He gets, they, he gets targeted a lot on, no, on, trick play, <laughs> on things like trick plays and misdirections. That's why I don't know about being experienced mattering. I almost wonder yeah, if I, Nick, if, if Brian Kelly, I agree with you that Butler will start. I'll put it that way. I almost wonder if it's just if Brian Kelly can really open it up to Nick Coleman and, and say to him, you can win the starting job this week with practice. It all depends on how you practice. Yeah. And I think that would be a good way of going about it rather than just choosing Butler as a junior. I agree with that's going to happen, what you say. I would love to see. Well, I thought Brian Coleman. Kelly made an interesting point, and uh, somebody tweeted this question for the second segment, but we'll get into it now. Like, what would um, sort of necessitate playing one in one spot and one in the other spot? Maybe you play. 
Devin Butler on in first and ten situations uh, when it's more we need somebody physical to hold up against yeah. the run. Yeah. When it's third and eight, maybe that's when Nick Coleman comes into the game because it's you're not worried as much about Christian McCaffrey taking a, a jet sweep around the end or having to hold up against the run. You can just play against the pass, uh, and you know it's, they're going to have to change up their defense to to make it work. But I, I'm I agree with Tim completely. The loss of Kavari Russell is. I think this this is could be the one that sort of just tips. Yeah, tips I mean the it's just over. yeah, it's just too far, and the drop off is just too significant. I, I mean that's just kind of where where my head is on this. Hey, you know, I wanted to bring this up because I wrote about it in um, in my uh, point after after the game. You know, the whole idea of style points. You know, if it was so easy just to push a button and say, okay, well now we're going to play better and we're going to win yeah. by you know, you just Notre Dame is Notre Dame. Their defense is Notre Dame's defense, and it also makes me want to. Bring up the name Bob Diaco, who had a huge win over the weekend over undefeated Houston, and I've talked about this with a, with a few people. You know, he got back at Deontay Greenberry, even though he's gone. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, I just not that you can pick and choose, but I, I know that when Bob Diaco left town, there were a lot of people that were happy he left town. Wouldn't you love to have Bob Diaco as your defensive coordinator with a keep the football in front of you mentality? combined with a Notre Dame offense, which I know gets bogged down at times running, but that would be a much better combination with what Notre Dame can do offensively. Uh, but Because these these big plays, these the, these big plays at any time, at any point in the game are just absolutely ridiculous and over the top. Pete's got something better to say than me right now. What's but that? I have to I'm saying, Bob Diaco would have shut out Boston yes. College. Boston College would have not scored on Saturday if Bob Diaco was the defense. I have player. to interject something. BC had six. This I'm including the kick return. You know why? Because kick returns count. Yeah. BC, including the 67 yard kick return, had six plays over 20 yards against Notre Dame. Notre Dame only had six plays over 20 yards. That against is BC. just that is uh, just absolutely ridiculous. It's just it's terrible. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. I did, you know I, I Notre Dame is just not fundamentally defensively. They're bad. They're bad. They are not a fundamentally sound defense. And I was talking to Courtney Watson, who did our captain's uh, corner this week, and I'd encourage her. I'm going to encourage we do more with Courtney Watson because he has a really a great insight into the game. I said, Courtney, explain golden. something to me as a guy, that a linebacker that's in the middle of the field. Where's Joe Schmidt going? Joe Schmidt's running around, running all over the field. The middle of the field is vacated, and every game the quarterback is making a 20-yard run right up the middle. Why? Because there's nobody in the middle of the field. Where's he going? <laughs> and it, you look at that. Who you pick on Saturday, Tim? <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not ripping on Joe Smith. No, I'm talking about the scheme itself. Yeah, We're constantly abandoning the middle of the field. Yeah. Uh, Joe Schmidt certainly is not just running around. No, around. He's, no, 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 he's no, fo- no. no, I'm not blaming yeah. Joe. He's following they, the they plan. Have, yeah, they certainly have. Schematic problems where guys are uncovered, where that's you know a, a running back in a blitz situation. I, it, it's hard to make sense of sort of what they're doing all the time. And then when you get the assignment errors on top of that, which is the Jeff Smith run, that's like you can have a, a mistake here or there, or get beat physically here or there. But when you're running yourself out of a play, or you just sort of leave a, a black hole in the scheme, then even Boston College is going to be good enough to find that. I mean, Jeff Fadul was it was kind of unmarked. I mean, I don't know if Notre Dame's game plan was like he cannot beat us at yeah, all with his legs. Possible. He was certainly more more than athletic enough to to run when no one was chasing him. Uh, so that's 
Well, Jeff Smith's longest run yeah. had been 37 yards, and I know none of those quarterbacks played a whole lot yeah. this year. But yeah, I mean he, that guy was athletic. No, no, no um, doubt, no doubt. But it's a, this week, Kevin Hogan, a uh, guy who can run. It's that's not you can't just let that go uh, at Stanford, and you can't roll the dice on that. It just is. It's not going to be a winning game plan. And we'll get into Stanford obviously more um, later in the week. But Notre Dame's not going to. Now we should end this part with Notre Dame's not going to play like that again. No. And it's no. a shame they did because, you know, you mentioned pushing a button for style points. You don't have to push a button. You have to come out and play with more intensity than your opponent. And there's no chance they were going to do that with BC, but that's a Wait comment a but they, on no, them. They, they dominated the first quarter. Yeah. They came out ready to play. They had 100. I guess mentally, they're, I mean, you're, you're bumbling the ball over the field. Yeah. If you touch a Notre Dame arm, it, the ball was coming out. That's not being ready to play either. You're defensively, I know what you're saying. You're right. Defense was all over BC. They had no chance of doing anything for three quarters. But, I mean, literally, like, the the excuse of they did a good job of ripping the ball out. You didn't know that. Really? Coming in. Teams, I mean, you're oh, teams have grab that. arms? Right. I mean, come on. Boston <laughs> College had 130 yards total offense through three quarters, and they had 172 in the fourth quarter. That is, I don't know the fix for that, and I don't know if anyone knows the fix for that. We tried to ask some, and it's not up to them to be able to answer that post game. But I asked Jalen Smith, Joe Schmidt, to mental edge. It is. It, it has to be. I don't think it has anything to do with yeah. scheme. I mean, we yeah. were talking getting back to Van Gorder and like you know leaving some guys open, but like that's just a mental edge. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a lack of focus. Um, it's Georgia Tech. It's um, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and it's this game. Yeah, it just does not make a whole lot of sense about. What's, what's happening there? So, we'll get into segment two. As you might imagine, we've got a lot more questions about what happened against against Boston College on Saturday night and what that means moving forward. So, we'll get into all that next on Irish Illustrated Insider. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com, is our burning up the boards segment, and we start with Irish Bob, who asks, Has Deshaun Kaiser Finally burned out under the pressure of being the Notre Dame quarterback. Has he hit a mental wall? Which I think is a it's a good question to ask, I think, at this point. I think the problem with redshirt freshman quarterbacks is they're redshirt freshman quarterbacks. And you're going to get these kind of performances sometimes. And Notre Dame got one on Saturday night. If it came against a bigger opponent, they would have lost. You know, has, has he hit a wall? Probably. I mean, in some ways, you know, that doesn't mean like, He's, he's hitting a wall and has no chance to climb over it. Right, I think um, in some ways the entire team has hit a wall. Yeah, I think yeah. most teams in the country have hit a wall. That's kind of what happens. I mean, a lot a lot of teams are playing their backup quarterbacks yeah. right now because their starters are out, and Deshaun Kaiser has you know played 10 games. So I I think Deshaun Kaiser has a lot of ability, um, but Saturday night was just a kind of an unfocused type game. Maybe, and maybe this question is getting him more at, is Deshaun Kaiser – a little distracted because he's on Showtime all the time, or he's, you know, posing for pictures with a wedding party on Saturday afternoon in Boston. Um, like, I think he just sort of enjoys, or I don't know if he enjoys it, but he's natural at it, sort of the spotlight and handling that. And there's, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's not like there, there are more hours in the day to prepare to play football because of it. I mean, I, I think it's possible. That there's, so it would be cumulative. I mean, I'm sure he was feeling a little of this, you know, being feted by the media and Showtime yeah. before Pittsburgh. He was a six-touchdown machine. So it's it's hard to know. I, I agree that – I agree he's hit the wall. I know that. I just don't know the reason for it. I mean, I watched Jerry Tillery on a few plays in the third quarter, 
we made fun of BC's touchdown drive, Notre Dame's defense and BC's touchdown drive. They had another good drive where all of a sudden, BC couldn't move the line at all, and all of a sudden they started getting yeah. some, a little bit of movement in the third quarter. I mean, he does, he's, he's, he's hit, hit the wall. The, he's, he's hit a physical wall. He's hit a physical wall. Yeah. I think there's a lot of young guys on the team that have hit a physical wall, and they just have to be able to rally for one more week because then you'll be totally rejuvenated by December. We saw what December can do for last year's team going into that bowl season. I don't know if it's outside distractions. They don't help, right? They don't help. They can't help. I, well, yeah. I don't. I think the whole Showtime thing is a huge distraction, and it's a cumulative effect up to this point. There's no doubt about it. You know, Deshaun Kaiser spends 45 minutes with us on a Wednesday afternoon. I think, let, let's keep in mind, okay, Wake Forest defense, pretty good. BC's defense, really, really good. good. Yeah. I mean, that that certainly has something to... I don't think it's one thing. that Has Deshaun Kaiser hit the wall? Yeah. I mean, I, I but I don't think it's just that one thing. I think it's the defenses they're playing. I think it's the pressure of the situation that yeah. they're in because everybody now is talking. When they got the Wake Forest and BC, they knew they were supposed to win, but you have to do it with style points. So, I mean, that's added pressure as well. And I wonder about guys that are not... that are on the rise like Kaiser he's I mean obviously he's gonna be a much better football player in three years than he is now when you throw that first kind of dumb pick I mean, that's a bad idea that's to throw really, that it was really, a really it was physically yeah. a bad throw mentally a bad throw when you're not a senior when you're not a junior when you don't have that arsenal to go back on maybe he did start pressing and going the time I mean, he fumbled one drive later they mm-hmm. got it back you know, yeah. it's there were two bad picks. The other one was a decision. Was the bad was the uh, there's no reason to throw back to that. He decided I'm going to throw back to that tunnel screen. It was not there. There was bodies everywhere. Yeah, I, I think that it's the maturation of a quarterback is in his abilities too. And I'm not ripping on Kyle Kaiser. I think could be great, but he's not there yet. Yeah, well, and it's like I think everyone expects like your progress to be in a straight line. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, that's right. just not how the that's it not how the world work. works. No. Forget sports. Like right. you 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 take a couple steps forward, you take three steps back, five steps forward. I think that's what this is what happens when people are young in their jobs. Like they have to grow into it, and Deshaun Kaiser's still growing into it. For him, unlike everyone else, it just happens on national and the TV other, every and, week. And and we and the other component is the opponent. Right. I mean, the opponent dictates yes. a lot of how yeah. you play as well. Well, and I think also dictating that is Notre Dame's run game is sort of laboring a little bit now. Now C.J. Procise is out. The offensive line is you know banged up with ankle injuries. The game is being put more and more on Kaiser, and I think he would be sort of getting worn mentally, even if Notre Dame was still a run-first offense. They're not anymore. Um, you know, this is more balanced, even pass-first. He had a career-high 38 you know, passing attempts on Saturday, which we all figure was going to happen in some way so there's there's a lot on this kid's plate I think he's doing a great job handling it but he's it's not going to be a step by step by step and a steady line every week progress Statman 72 the defense will be forced to adjust to help protect whoever plays a quarterback in place of Kavari Russell what adjustments do you think are most likely to be made less safety support in the run game fewer blitzes leaving corners and man coverage how would you expect Stanford to try to take advantage of those adjustments? I don't think you can do less safety support in the run game because Stanford chose to throw 12 times to beat Cal. 12. Wow. They had the ball 40 minutes in the loss to Oregon and only lost because Kevin Hogan fumbled two snaps in the fourth yeah. quarter in the red zone. If you don't have seven and a half guys in the box, it's going to be a very, yeah. very long game. And it's like, who's better in the box yeah. supporting the run than Elijah Shoemaker? Right. Like, that's his biggest strength. Yeah, so he'll you, be up there. you got to keep doing that. Um, you know, it's, you know, Max Redfield has obviously had a very up-and-down season. He's going to have to 
play the game of his life on Saturday, I think, for Notre Dame to compensate for Kavari Russell being out. Because, um, you know, he's, he's good in coverage. I think he gets a bad rap from people for, you know, some of the beats that he takes. Uh, but he's great in run support. And I think Notre Dame's, whoever the new cornerback is, is not going to be nearly the, the efficient tackler that Kavari Russell was. You know, I think we never would have said this earlier in the year, but the second question, fewer blitzes, leaving the corners of man coverage, absolutely yes. You know why? Day and Rochelle and Aquara do an okay job of making, of getting, they're not great. We don't come around the corner. They can, they can play. You can rush four guys. That part against. of Notre Dame's defense has improved it as has. the season has You can send Jalen and have seven guys in coverage. You know, that, that's, that'd be yeah. fine against Stanford, I think. So that's probably, that's the most logical adjustment is fewer blitzes leaving these corners of man coverage. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And I think that sort of gets back to Daniel Cage coming back and the domino effect in a positive way there, um, which is what I asked Kelly about on Sunday is just like, now Rochelle moves back outside. Now you're getting your best defensive line out there again. Yeah. And it's for all the injuries that they've had, and you know, I don't want to forget about Jerron Jones there, that that first four has been really healthy they this really year. Have, yeah. um, they've gotten a, they've gotten some good breaks health wise at that position. Daniel Cage's return is very significant this week because I don't you don't want Andrew Trombetti playing fifty snaps against Stanford's right. offensive line. It's the he wrong has, team, yeah. Right. He has difficulty getting off blocks. He hasn't evolved yet. They need not only do they need Daniel Cage back in the lineup, they need him to hit the ground running and play effectively yeah, against Stanford. Stanford has one of the best guards in the country in Josh Garnett. Uh, and that is you also don't want to stick Jerry Tillery, who's kind of a freshman who's showing some, you know, tread on the tire yeah. here against him. That is a terrible matchup. Daniel Cage can at least battle in there uh, and, and go. And hold the point of attack. And, like, physically he should, is as fresh as he's probably ever been right. um, this season. So that, to me, that that return is a lot more significant than people is, probably give it credit for. That's one for. good thing about a concussion is that you, you, I mean, you can come back with fresh legs. Yeah. You mm-hmm. should have been able to condition and you should come back with, with, very fresh legs totally and ready right. to go. I think Pete's comment on Stanford has one of the best guards of the country. Didn't need the this year part. Yeah, yeah I could have just yeah. thrown that out all the From time. One to the next. <laughs> yeah. Irish Irish Boo asks, can you comment on that? And Pete, you should address it. Can you comment on the clutch senior leadership of Chris Brown, Amir Carlisle, Matthias Farley? You asked about it after the BC. Yeah, game. and it's uh, I asked sort of about those three guys in particular, and um, I think he he took it more as I was asking about the two receivers, but uh, they stepped up. Uh, with the games of the, their seasons, yeah. um, I thought Chris Brown's touchdown catch was that was a great catch for for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was it was nice to see Brown bounce back because he got off to a real good start this season. I feel like we've we've Clemson. heard about him less. The fumble of Clemson, yeah, the fumble, that probably took a lot a out bit, of him. Yeah. Um, but you know, just to get him back, you know, Amir Carlisle to be productive underneath slot receiver because. That was kind of one thing about Narnia's passing game. It's like, do they have sort of that short stuff mm-hmm. that's not all, you know, Will Fuller all the time? And without Amir Carlisle, and, you know, I think Torrey Hunter's had a, a pretty good November as well. Like, to, to have the slot receiver be a consistent weapon, that's big. And credit to Tim, because three weeks ago, you said, don't underestimate Amir Carlisle's contributions going forward in the passing game. And he, you're right. He He's like a possession receiver now for the team. And Hunter makes bigger plays. They have a nice thing going if they get yeah. Will Fuller, the superstar, back and, you know, this week and, and going forward, they're and, tough to stop out there. And I really, a couple weeks ago, I charted in tail the tape. I mean, some of the plays that Chris Brown has made on third down. I mean, he's been he's been a chain mover for them. And you're right, Pete. I mean, they, those two guys stepped up when they absolutely needed them. 
Oh, and that's what I was going to ask you during the break about. You know, I don't. I I still haven't gotten all the way through the game, but I mean, have you had an opportunity to see exactly what kind of coverages BC was using on forward? Because every time I looked, it was man up, and I didn't see additional help. I just don't think Will Fuller played a particularly good game in addition to a couple passes that he should have caught. Yeah, I'll be curious to watch that. I mean, we had not great views on Saturday night. Being in We had the worst view ever. It was tough. Ever. Yeah. Um, so I, this this game will be interesting to watch on tape to see how they defended him. But, yeah, Matthias Farley, to wrap up this question, I mean, that's it's what you expect. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. You just need, you need something done, so Matthias Farley will get it done. Um, you know, does he factor somewhere into the defense this week yes. against Stanford? Because he, I think he needs to be on the field as much not, as possible. He's not yeah. going to make a mental mistake or have a bust. So, you know, he had the onside kick recovery at the end of the game. He had the fake punt, and then down to punt inside the five. And he, yeah, we were. Ta- I was talking to him about this after the game. He said, you know, you out there for the the fake punt. It's like, well, you look at the shield, and you have two smaller guys. That's a little bit unusual. So you get like your fakey sense on and uh you know he just started, he just reads everything out he knows what's going to happen before it happens um and that is a extremely extremely valuable skill so yeah he got the game ball which was awesome do you think Notre Dame's other free safety happened to notice that there was something no that, that's like but Matthias Farley is just like he's he's playing football at like a because he's a graduate student at a graduate level yeah he really um is. and it's it's it, it's his really re- fun to watch. His re- his diagnosis and reaction on that fake punt was just absolutely brilliant. I mean, it was so it's so immediate and instinctive. It was outstanding. Wash ND, regardless of where you think Notre Dame will be ranked on Tuesday, do you think Notre Dame is really one of the top four teams in the country right now? No, I don't. But yeah. I do. I do. I think they'll be ranked. I I wouldn't even. I was saying before the podcast, I'm not going to be shocked if they're number three. I think they'll be four, and I'm not going to be shocked at all if they're number five. I would hope they don't move down to six. In the, it, it seems like too much movement to drop them to six. We no one did anything. We haven't Michigan seen. State. Yeah, we haven't seen teams yeah. jump other teams that they both won. Right. Even in like much more impressive performances, yeah. like Oklahoma going on the road and beating Baylor, they only jumped one team that also won that week, and it was Florida over a terrible South Carolina team. So it's there's not. It's pretty sticky in terms of like the rankings and how they played out so far. Teams are slotted, and you, you move up if you win, and you move down if you lose. But you don't really see teams jumping other teams that also won very much. I wouldn't be surprised if they're five, but I think they'll be four. Um, I don't think they're one of the four best teams, but I do think there's a very, um, very important, but it's a it's an interesting thread on the board that says two flawed teams are going to the playoffs this year. Notre Dame could be one of them. Yeah. Because the only teams that don't have massive, massive flaws are Clemson and Alabama. Right. I know people are saying they're flawed too, but right. I got news for you. I mean, okay, I'm going to ask both. <laughs> I'm going to ask both of you guys this question, and you're and I'm asking you about these teams' defenses. Which of these teams have a worse defense than Notre Dame's? Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Baylor, Iowa, Michigan, Stanford, Ohio State. Well, Baylor. Baylor. Baylor's Baylor. the only. Is it. there anyone other than Baylor? Oklahoma is like playing good defense now. Uh, although yeah. they they also collapsed in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, they did. And Michigan night. State's defense is not as good. As, I, no, mean, I mean, but but they were so State's spectacular in recent Wake years. Forest defense were comparable statistically. Um, now they were out. They just yeah. destroyed Ohio State on Saturday. They're so quite you, capable defensively. You got to give them a lot of credit yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Notre Dame does not have a championship defense. I think that's kind of. That's your point. And that is my point. Right. And, I, and, and so if they get, I regard, 
if they get left out of this at 11 and one, I, I, and again, there's so many moving parts. I don't know what else happens with that, but I don't think that I would be, somebody asked that the other day, well, how would you react to the playoff situation if Notre Dame went 11 and one and didn't make the playoffs? I would say, well, if they were better defensively, they'd be in the damn playoffs. Yeah, yeah, because it's the one loss isn't keeping them out of the playoffs. It's, no. it's the other way they won games. And listen, the one thing I will say about that is, with the exception of that first team you read, I know people think that I'm all over Alabama. You know why? Because they're really good, and they're going to murder somebody <laughs> yeah, on December 31st. So, uh, I think Notre Dame can beat all those teams, though, if Notre Dame can play at somewhat full health in the Final Four. With but you also would agree that they wouldn't be favored against they any wouldn't one be of those favored except against, Iowa. Right. I, they would not be favored against any of those teams except possibly Iowa, and I know they wouldn't be favored against two-loss Michigan because Michigan's favored over Ohio State this week. Look, so. we, we, we report on Notre Dame. Yeah. A couple of us are graduates. We, we, generally speaking, we want Notre Dame to win, but reality is reality, and their defense isn't as good as most of these teams that are competing. Right, with. but they can't compete with all those teams except for one that's going to destroy somebody. Yeah, I mean, this is still the same. <laughs> this is still the same defense that held Clemson under three hundred yards. Yeah, um, you know they they have the ability. to How did do that it. happen? I don't know. How <laughs> the that game happened. was in a monsoon. Well, yes. okay, so that I mean, it I guess that's that, that's yeah. yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's interesting because Notre Dame's offense had no problem moving up and down the field in the second half yeah. of that game, and it was raining harder then. So, riddle me that, Tim O'Malley. Yeah, I know. That's that, I like the offense, man. That's yeah. not the problem. Yeah. All right. Last question, Doc Nino. Notre Dame seems to play to the level of the competition. The last two weeks, they played down to the level of Wake Forest and Boston College. This seems to be the personality of the team this year. Can we assume that the challenge from Stanford will bring out a much higher level of overall efficiency by the team this week? I I think you can, except the my my exception to that is is the Kavari Russell injury, the tipping point here, and, and the point of no return where you, where you can't come back. But I mean, and we said that in the incident analysis after the game that okay, we know they played terrible, and right. if they play like this against Stanford, they have no chance. But they're not going to play like that against Stanford. No, they will not. They, they, but you're right that you need players too. Kavari, this is the Kavari Russell Appreciation Society is coming out Saturday, man. <laughs> it is. There is going to be it, you, you. It's Stanford's a heck of a team, man. They lost to a quality Northwestern team when Stanford just didn't show up, pointing out that hey, everyone's favorite team that's on a Notre Dame message board, Stanford, sometimes doesn't show up too, right? Mm-hmm. And Oregon, and Oregon would beat a lot of teams in the top ten right now, as yeah. currently constructed. This is a tough game, uh, but Notre Dame is going to play. I would think they're. I mean, they're going to be sky high, clearly. But I think they will. I don't think you're going to see a Clemson overwhelmed at the beginning of the game, fourteen nothing, because there's a slow start. I think if Stanford goes down and scores, it's because Stanford's so powerful on offense they could go down and score on people. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, not I, mental problems. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think Notre Dame's offense is going to be really locked in yeah. on Saturday night, and I think you've seen. I don't want to say the dynamics are the same as Pittsburgh, but like getting out there a little bit early, settling in. They are going out on it's, Thursday, it's, which I was going to point out. I think it's key. Like, yeah, it's kind of like a fall break situation as well, where they don't have classes. You know, most of the week here, it's not a holiday for Notre Dame football, um, so they'll be working. I I think you're going to get a really really strong performance from Notre Dame, and they've. Like, if you look back at some better Stanford teams against some worse Notre Dame teams in Palo Alto, and Notre Dame has held up reasonably well. I think it was the, 13. the 2013 yeah. game. That was a really good Stanford team, and I think we all sort of thought Notre Dame was going to get worked over pretty good there, and they just traded punches all game. Ultimately, Stanford wins the game, but I think Notre Dame will play really well. Yeah, you got to have players, but offensively, Notre Dame has a lot of players. Notre Dame has... A lot more players offensively than Stanford has. So, 
I think Notre Dame's got a real puncher's chance in this game. I do too, and there's another aspect of about that 2013 game. We'll get into this more in the, uh, later, the podcast later this week. Same situation for Stanford. Pac-12 championship game was what was looming after that. Yeah. I mean, listen, Stanford's not going to come lie down against Notre Dame or not give effort. But mentally, just like we said, Notre Dame can't be as up for Boston College as they can be for Stanford. You cannot be as up for the second most important game of your season right now as you will be for the first the following week. It, it's it's there. Stanford's can lose this game by 40, win the next week, and they go to the New Year's Six. Yeah. As a Pac-12 champion. That, I mean, just, they're it, also coming after their rivalry game right. against Cal. Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, there's there's dynamics here that favor Notre Dame. It's just not the loss of that cornerback. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's it for Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com. We're going to come back Wednesday, opposed to recording a podcast on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> uh, so we will talk to you then. Next on Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com.